The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Let the church of Jesus Christ say, Amen. I'm not certain why you are here tonight. Maybe you're here under duress. Home from college, visiting from out of state, and your parents have instructed you that we're all going to church, whatever the weather. Maybe you're here tonight because your family has always come to church on Christmas Eve and it just wouldn't feel like Christmas to do anything less. Perhaps you're a member of this church and you're coming to worship tonight to bring the Advent season to its proper and glorious end. Perhaps you are a newly married couple trying to establish some new traditions for your family, or perhaps you're here helping to keep your family's traditions, coming to worship to hear the lessons, sing the carols, and light the candles. Maybe you're here tonight because you don't know where else to go. Tonight, your home feels lonely, and you're longing for joy, community, and warmth. Or maybe you're here tonight, and you're looking for something, and what it is you cannot say, but you feel an aching in your bones, something that all of your vices and addictions cannot cure. And maybe you're searching for something that is true, that is real, something bigger than the darkness that is overwhelming you tonight. I don't know why you are here tonight, but here you are. Here we are, together, quietly crowded into a church sanctuary, singing the old carols and hearing the old Christmas story, our minds reeling with to-do lists, our hearts aching as we grieve the absence of those we've lost, our spirits still weary with the task of having to wrap up all sorts of loose ends tonight and show up tomorrow with whatever joy we can muster. Here we are. And whether you wanted it or not, whether you were looking for it or not, whether or not you believe it to be true or not, you and I have stumbled again into the greatest mystery in the history of the world. A mystery that transpired in the makeshift delivery room of a first century stable in a small farming town 2,000 years ago. And the baby born that night, a night like any other night in the days of Quirinius and Augustus and Caiaphas and all the other names we make children pronounce in pageants. The baby born and wrapped up in bands of cloth would begin a decisive new chapter in the story of God and humanity. For us and for our salvation, the ancient creed teaches, the eternal God became incarnate and was born among us as one of us. Tonight, we gather to celebrate the mystery of incarnation, that the very word which God uttered to fashion worlds and sculpt galaxies, the very word which God whispered to beckon forth seas and mountains, the word by which all things came into being, now cries out from a makeshift crib for his mother. The word became flesh, you see. Emmanuel has come, God with us as us. 
And every year we come together to remember this holy mystery. It is a mystery that sets the Christian religion apart from all others in this world. That the eternal, universal creator deity would empty himself to become a mortal for the sheer purpose of demonstrating extravagant love. This is a mystery worthy of carols and anthems and brass and timpanies and joy and reverence and prayers and all the things we're doing here tonight. If you have been within a stone's throw of any Christian church in your life, you've heard this story before. If you've turned the radio on or stumbled into a Christmas Spotify playlist this week, you've likely heard some pop singer sing about this story we're remembering tonight. But tonight I do not want to focus on the census that Emperor Augustus ordered, nor do I want to talk about where exactly the birth of Jesus may have taken place. I don't want to talk about swaddling clothes or the manger or the sudden appearance of angels to shepherds. I don't want to sing a talk about the song the angels sang. Each of these would be magnificent Christmas Eve sermons. But tonight, church, in 2022, if I could offer any words of pastoral encouragement to you gathered here tonight, any insight into how we might welcome the good news of great joy of Christmas this year, I would suggest to you that we consider the character of Mary, the mother of Christ, especially at the end of tonight's classic reading from Luke chapter 2. After the shepherds have shown up and made their announcement, we read this in verse 19. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. Filled with the strange alchemical mix of adrenaline, joy, and pain that accompanies childbirth, the weary Mary now stares into the face of the baby who a few hours earlier had been nestled up inside her womb. The reality she had been preparing for for months now had come to pass. I imagine Mary doing what all new parents do, especially with their firstborn children. You stare in wonder at the fragile human that is now in your arms. You count their toes and fingers to determine and determine if the fold in their ears is normal. You look for birthmarks and dimples and you rejoice as their newborn eyes open, if only for a brief moment. You wrap them up and hold them to your body. You delight in sharing the news to others who arrive. You show them off to visitors and well-wishers. You announce their name. And then you get annoyed when not enough people tell you how much they like the name you picked. You wonder what they'll look like as they grow up. You wonder what future their life holds. Mary and Joseph are in the throes of new parenthood. Gathered there in one of Joseph's relatives' houses in Bethlehem, there on the lower level where the family animals slept, these new parents were surrounded by relatives and friends who heard the baby's newborn cries and came over to see what was what. Older women lent Mary their wisdom on how to nurse her baby, showing Joseph how to properly swaddle the baby. 
in nearly every possible way, the birth of this baby looked like every other birth of a baby in those days. Except that ten months earlier, Mary had received a vision of an angel who told her she would bear a remarkable child, a child whose name would be Holy and Son of God and Mighty and Savior and King. But between that announcement nearly ten months earlier and this birth, no other heavenly messenger had appeared to Mary. No other vision had been given to every pair of human eyes that night. The birth of this baby named Jesus looked to be unremarkable and ordinary. Had Mary dreamed the vision of the angel? Was this child really, truly all that she had been told? For the present, Mary is in the rapturous joy and full-body weariness of having just delivered her baby and figuring out the destiny of this child will just have to wait until another day. But the knock on the door revealed a group of shepherds, those who were at the bottom rung of the social ladder, those who lived outside villages and cities whose daily labor with animals kept them unwashed and unclean. And into the birthing suite, into this labor and delivery room, come these shepherds with all their shepherding smells. And seeing the baby, they announce to the whole house that they too had seen angels. And that the angels told them that this baby was the Savior. This baby was God's anointed ruler. The shepherds tell Mary and Joseph that the sky was filled with angels who sang songs of glory and praise and wonder and who announced God's peace, God's shalom to the world, all because of this baby. All who heard it were amazed, the text says in verse 18. The whole house of Joseph's family marveled and wondered at this stunning announcement. And the text says that Mary treasured all these words and pondered them in her heart. In this weary middle of this post-birth moment, Mary hears in the shepherd's words echoes of what she had heard from the angel herself, and she soaks in those words. She delights in those words. She treasures those words, the text says. She recognizes in this moment that God has invaded her reality, that the work of God was unfolding before her, and she had the capacity to see it and to treasure it. The scripture says that she pondered these words in her heart. It's a curious phrase that in Greek literally means to throw together. It's like Mary is throwing together all the things that she has seen in the past 10 months. She's adding what the shepherds are saying to her own experience. She's adding to it the story of her cousin Elizabeth, who had had a baby a few months earlier. She's reflecting and considering and actively forming in her heart a picture of what God is doing in the world. Mary treasures. Mary ponders. She looks into the face of her baby boy, and perhaps she wonders what God is up to in the world and what destiny this baby will fulfill. Mary treasures the announcement of the shepherds, and she considers what they might mean. John Calvin once wrote 
on Mary treasuring and pondering this. He said, if we are wise, it will be the chief employment and great object of our life to consider with attention the works of God. Mary has the spiritual vision to see in this moment an opportunity to consider with her attention the works of God. And to the church gathered for worship on Christmas Eve, we are invited to make room to treasure and ponder the ways God is at work in our lives. You see, the mystery of the incarnation is not only that God arrived in the infant Christ, but that by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts, God is always arriving. In the weary middle of our daily labor, in the bitter agony of our grief, in the lonely ache of our hearts, the promise of Christmas is that there is no manger too lowly for our Lord to visit and to bring with him the promise of redemption and peace. The question is not, will Christ arrive, but rather, in what way is he already here? To consider this, we must have the vision like Mary, who in her weariness made room nonetheless in her heart, making her chief employment to consider deeply the works of God, even as she fed and changed and slept holding the infant Christ. She would gather up in her heart all the experiences she had seen, and from them she built a rich inner faith of all that God was doing. And so, dear church, I urge us all, make room in your heart to consider where God is presently at work. Make room in our day tomorrow morning for prayer. Make room in our families for worship and song. Make room in our homes for wonder and joy. Make room to treasure and ponder all that God is doing as the miracle of incarnation continues to be seen and experienced in our day. May your eyes be open wide to see the work of God. And may your heart be soft to receive it anew this Christmas. I speak in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let all God's people say, Amen.